Geekish Cast, Episode 21. Only Jim Kirk can go to Kronos. Welcome to Kikish Cast. I'm Jeremy, and it's Doctor Trek, Larry Nimichek. Thanks for having me. Well, I I had I jumped in as the, the the technical manual and Bija's concordance and all those things just kind of like set my brain on fire because it was kind of like oh well then there's some of these things are are handled but some things aren't so I'm gonna I'm gonna start filling all these gaps because my God there's so much in Star Trek that we don't know from the shows and these books are giving us all kinds of new cool stuff because you know back at the time it was like well there won't be any there is no new Star Trek so you might as well f- start filling all these gaps in because you wanted the whole world to really exist I mean that was part of the appeal it's I mean I've always been well and that's a, kind of a how, background um, fan a background a canon background fan and a background fan is like the makers and their choices and things well yeah there's the, the which kind of came later yeah the Star Trek techni- technical manual who did that was that Franz Joseph? Franz Joseph Schnabelt yeah so he he yeah. did that and then a the gaming, blueprint first mm-hmm. and then the tech manual yeah right. And then a gaming company actually uh, licensed that from Franz Joseph. So there was like kind of a secondary – well, actually at the time, there was nothing else, and it kind of grew into a whole role-playing universe from that, right? Well, there were the little the little ship models. There was a, there was one ship-to-ship combat game when – yeah, this is like D&D was a baby. And right. like games – yeah, and these little startups that would do stuff in the, in the hot lead and the – plastics and then there was another uh, i talked to the guy that developed this that was the gaming well there was starfleet battles which was the total paper and dice game right and then but there was a game that used the ship he licensed out his his ships uh in that game and i forget what it was technically called but then there was a star trek role-playing game that was like a book a soft book and they had licensed out little lead figures for everybody and i have the i had the one that had uh, mccoy in it which also had sulu and and Uhura never painted the figures, but and but yeah, all before that was you know before FASA came in or FASA came in and the the eighties licensee and redid all that, and then obviously before the video game era and all that came in, but um, um, yeah, absolutely, he did he did that and was licensed at first, and then Gene didn't like that he was making some as Star Trek came back toward real revival, Gene didn't like so much that. You know, so much had been invented there. So a lot of things they you know, like intentionally undid in the the first movie. Like, no, Starfleet headquarters is not an orbital station. It's it's right here on the ground in San Francisco, and you know, a lot of things like that. But but as to a kid whose mind was already being blown by the series, and and part of the thing was you you when you only could see it once a day. And you knew after a while you realized how many there were like 80, 70, 79 episodes. You know, eighty. Well, actually. I mean, some uh, people would say otherwise. And, well, no, I mean, in the in the early days, and you knew that if your local station was showing it once a day after school, and you missed one, or if you were sitting there taking notes off the screen because you know VCRs weren't there, or like you're going to afford an eight hundred dollar VCR, early VCR, so you're like writing notes down, like I did, and then you know that if you miss a day, well, it'll be back around in three months because they'll run through the eighty shows. <laughs> 
you know, like five into eighty is thirteen. That's uh, you know, four weeks a month. That's a little over three months. Oh no, I remember that. Oh yeah. yeah, and then you would do the things like record cassette tapes off these, so you at least had the audio of the shows, you know. But um, when you when your hair could be set on fire and your brain explode by those early books that came out, either about the making of or the gap filling books like the Tech Manual and the Blueprints, and then the Medical Reference, and then Beecho's uh, Concordance. Like the first version of an encyclopedia type thing, which really – and I started like keeping extra notes in there. Like I wanted to know the division color and the rank of every like crew person. So I, if it wasn't written – or then that's when I realized how a lot of times uh, they would call somebody a lieutenant or whatever, and they really had – you know, lieutenant commander, and they had lieutenant sleeves or something mm-hmm. goofy on the show. But I mean, that's you know, keeping notes in that, and that's where I got really. But you realize how much you don't know, or how much hasn't been filled in, and that's what really got me going. And that's the and then the star maps and the star charts, especially, and that's how I met Jeff Long Distance in New York. But the star maps that came out in 1980 was the first time I had a taste of going. Well, this is exciting. I'm working on a real thing, and then to get totally, it it went through a couple of people. Wound up with different people when it got published, and and I got burned, and that was also a really good first experience about how you can get you know ripped well, off. <laughs> let, let, let me stop you there. So, um, but that was it. You said next gen, the early eighties. I was just going to say next gen was uh, eighty seven. So it's really the later eighties. You're, you're right, and I, I was yeah. off. I was but like, only actually, to say that I was through college and grad school and working, and you know I had a life. Thank you very much. You know, Shatner and Saturday Night Live. I I did have a life, and I was still a fan. <laughs> I just I just heard a bit today. It was Kevin Pollock doing his William Shatner called me up and asked me to tell him how to do a William Shatner uh, uh, William Shatner like uh, pantomime thing. But so how did you? So you're already writing things. How did you get ripped off when you were first starting off? I mean, for for oh early? no no no. Well well we were. I had done. I had got been so intrigued because <clears throat> I was a space buff, like I'd said. Mm-hmm. I was a, I was a NASA kid before I was a Star Trek. I had Apollo and the Moon posters on my walls when I was like in grade school and junior high, and sure. and we played Apollo. And I did a whole thing where I turned our treehouse and our we set up stuff, and we had a lunar module and command module, and did the whole. Anyway, it's crazy. Before I was ever a Trek, a big Trek. Kid, oh no, no, but, and and and. Part of what I want to address is like different sides of things. I just I don't want to come at it like just track fans or just this. I want people who are into actual space exploration as well as writing or whatever their you know artistic side yeah. or scientific side. So you are into you're into actual space exploration, which gets you into Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And then you start writing things. So Well see, Star Trek always made total sense to me, both mm-hmm. as 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 somebody who like love who grew up in the era when everybody dropped everything to come watch a launch, sure. you know, through, I don't really remember Mercury, but I vaguely or Gemini for what they were, but the Apollos for sure. And I know I know I was watching Mercury and Gemini launches because our whole family would drop everything to come in and watch, and you know I'd be sitting there. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, Star Trek always made total sense to me as as it totally is out of us. It starts with cavemen and runs through the Romans and Hitler and <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly of humanity. But it's human history moving forward through us into the into the future. And then the more they filled out the timeline, the more you know, the, the more that which is what's different about Star Trek from any other. Not that I didn't enjoy all science fiction, but it's that's what makes Star Trek different than anything else. 
you know, Star Wars on down. Well, I would actually is, say it, it's us into the projected into the future and, and saying, yes, this is definitely us, you know. Yeah, but I, I would actually say Star Trek is different in that, like, Star Trek had a thing where they would say, hey, we could nuke them or we could do whatever or drop them. Oh, yeah. 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 But, but we are better than our pre-civilized selves. We are, here's, here's my thing. I, I deal with this a lot with people where they go like, oh yeah, we should close our borders because Iran has closed borders. And I go, really? That's, that's what you want to hold us up to? We should be better than that. Well, you're too liberal. No, I am just liberal enough to say we should be better than what's happened in the past. We are not barbaric. We are more civilized. And if we're not more civilized, we should be trying to be more civilized. See, that's really funny to me. Somebody says you're too liberal, and it's like I'm too liberal to be an American. Well, that's what America's. But give us your tired, your poor, your hungry, huddled masses yearning to be free on the Statue of Liberty that we love to throw on postcards and jigsaw puzzles and point to when we we're trying to have a moral superiority contest with somebody else in the world. How could we win those if we? Well, if we yeah, bow and, down and, and get and, and then, go lower than well, our opponent. and then they yeah. compare us to a country that decapitates people for disagreeing with them. Well, you know, this country kills you if you blah blah blah. I'm like, wow, that's the standard you want to go with? Really? <laughs> that's the standard <laughs> really you want to go with? Okay, See, that's yeah. that's all the people that talk first and think later. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, right. Well, your... When you hear the when you hear the phrase, uh, "We need some adults in the room," that's what you. And adults doesn't mean people who are on enough to get a gun. I, you know. No. Yes. Uh, I started to say gun license. I've got I've got hunters in my family. I've got my older brother was law enforcement. I'm not you know anti gun at all. I'm just saying that there's anyway. I'm just going to say that I'm glad, awful glad that a lot of people who are supposedly trying to be president right now weren't president during the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's you know all I'm going to say. I, and Larry, if you and I can talk off record. Except for maybe the dozens or half a dozen people that will hear this, I agree with you. I I think really couldn't we all just do a little bit better than? Couldn't we all just get along? Well, no, 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 no. Because you know what? Some of us need to say, hey, no. What you want to do, you're coming up a little bit short of where an adult would come up in the room. Couldn't we all just like strive to be better than what's expected of us? I mean, it's not even political. I mean, Nixon is the one that, you know, that old phrase about that old Star Trek phrase, only Nixon could go to China. Thank that, you. There was, there was a reason for that. Nixon yeah. was the big commie hunter, but then at some point, the, the right thing to do was to go, you know, approach China and bring it into the mainstream. It's okay. We got to give up, you know, hating you. You're not going to go away after 40 years. So here's what we have to deal with. Well, it's, it's like this thing with Cuba. Oh, so, um, yeah, we, yeah. Exactly. We we put this in trade embargo on you for what are we well, actually were we at sixty years now? Fifty? Yeah. Fifty five, yeah. And oh, so you haven't come around to our way of thinking. <laughs> so we we'll keep it in place. No, we should have dropped it a few years ago and seen if maybe our tourists and dollars might have brought about a freer society, right? Yeah. Yeah. Money has a way of doing that, but yeah. Yeah. <sighs> maybe I'm getting too <laughs> too off in the weeds there, but isn't that kind of part of what Star Trek's about, is striving to be better? Oh, I think so. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm always amazed when people don't see that. But you know, I mean, everybody. That's it's it's a mirror on the world the way everybody is with everything. But I'm always kind of surprised when, between, uh, you know, I think today you would say, yeah, Gene was well. Gene did Star Trek because he got pissed when his his script about racism on his show, The Lieutenant. What really finally sparked him to do Star Trek was he said, I, I want to talk about these adult subjects that he had kind of done on – with, with TV getting more mature also sure. out of the 50s and 60s and the censors and all that. But they would do topics in the westerns, and he wrote on Have Gun, Will Travel, which was one of the more adult westerns that would do themes and reality plays. It's just that your backdrop was the old west, and, and um, he did the lieutenant because he, he'd been – in the Army Air Forces. I mean, he'd been a pot, you know, he'd been right. a P forty seven, B fifty two, whatever, uh, bomber pilot in the war, and um, all the guys that he hung out with, and people he came to work. A lot of on, I mean, Matt Jeffries, same way. But he, um, that generation, <laughs> they were all veterans, which meant that they'd all seen real war, and it wasn't this theoretical thing to them. So, anyway, um, he wanted to do his series, the Lieutenant, and when he wanted to do one about race relations. And the you know uh, that got censored, and it pissed him off so much. He's like, "How can I do a show that talks about important topics, and we sneak it by the censors?" Oh, I'll do science fiction, and we'll put them in you know, in spaceships and, and ray guns and purple pink dotted aliens, and that'll sneak it right. But which is what they did. But that was the impetus to do that. So, you know, he was uh, he, <laughs> the things that sometimes people measure yardstick people by. Like he was a veteran, he was a pilot, and he, you know, he was a he was on LAP. He was a motorcycle cop for LAPD, and was you know, I. Well, you're. It's some of those paradigms are just so inside out, right? But that's like people say that, you know, not you know, not only could Eisenhower not be a Republican these days, Nixon couldn't be a Republican well, these days. Reagan but, wouldn't be one. Or, or Reagan yeah. either one. Yeah, yeah. Since Larry and I went off on politics for a bit, I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Come back tomorrow for the end of my conversation with Larry Nemechek. Also keep in mind you can find us on the web at geekishcast.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast, on Twitter we're at thegeekishcast. You can also find us on the Tangent Bound Network at tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks everybody, have a good night and we'll see you soon.